And if you, in fact, end up on the losing end, and this is an individual sport, you look at your own individual performance, and then you improve it. This is a team sport. You're responsible for yourself. So he says the following words to me that blew my mind. That's the best thing you can do for me to work on yourself. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the Richard Listens podcast, where we bring you exceptional humans, exceptional performers, and those who have been through transformative stories that will change the way you look at your own lives, change the way you look at health, fitness, mental health, and hopefully help you create ideas for the future and raise inspiration and challenge your thoughts and raise interesting questions in your homes and within yourself as we examine our patterns, we examine our way of approaching our health. Today, my guest is a high school teammate of mine, basketball teammate who went on to uh, not only excel at the varsity level, but again, to go on to play collegially and eventually professionally abroad. So we look forward to hearing from that. Uh, He is... Um, technically considered permanently handicapped after an injury. Uh, He will tell us about that, but he does not prohibit him from pursuing strength and ways to build and maintain his body, mind, and spirit. David Lomancic motivates himself and in turn inspires others to take a similar path of gratitude, independence, and love. Everything will be in the show notes, but everything you can find on him on YouTube or IG is in Super Dave Tube, T-U-B-E. And he will talk to us about opioid addiction recovery, wellness, planning, and coping skills. It's my pleasure to be with you today. If you have not already, please like, listen, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and pick up a copy of The Zero Method, Awaken the Hero Within on Amazon. Get a copy for yourself. Invest in the exercises. Do the work and begin your path towards wellness. Without further ado, we welcome Mr. David Lamance. Hey, Richard. Great to be here. Great to see you. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing fine. I'm recording podcasts. I'm in California. I've been to the gym today. Went to a reggae concert last night at the YouTube theater. What can I say? You got it going on, sir. I'm living my best life. And purpose-driven, for sure. Now I needed to see you for some of your... uh, Tai Chi type movements. I see we got going on and maybe some sleep hygiene and we'll be all right. Ah, the balance. Yes. Happy to help in that department. Wow. So along the journey, last we saw each other was probably on a basketball court practicing together. That's right. You know, and and now that you bring it up, I think we probably played baseball versus each other too. We did. Um, (laughs) 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 You were the, you were the grade younger uh, always up and coming, and um, I mean, was it me, or did you did you initially did you love sports always, or was it just like part of your identity? You know, I, I feel like there was a metamorphosis there. Metamorphosis. I have to agree with you. Uh, I, I think you, there was an inner drive inside of me that I became aware of as a young child, and I found through outlets uh, in athletics and competitive individual fitness endeavors, if you will, that this was an opportunity for me to kind of transmute that genetic material that manifested itself as hyperactivity (laughs) into a very productive, 
and lifetime fitness wellness application. So it's very nice to kind of put that together and to have it be seen by you is certainly validating. and It's a nice thing. Thank you for saying that. I mean, I mean, it's, I, I'm, it's funny that you, I mean, it's not funny because it's your life, right? Because, but saying it is hyperactivity. Now we call it that all the time. At the time, I just saw you like literally climbing on roofs, doing pull-ups. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I saw you literally very active. Right? Yes, like, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's, it's I have to mention this. So my, my father, who is, um, he was a former major league baseball player. He had the nickname Tarzan. Right, it's because he's very wild, kind of very active guy, and I, I have to say, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> so did he? Did he embrace it or encourage it when you were younger, or was he just like, let you, did he let you be? How did that play out? He certainly embraced it. He, he uh, from what I asked him, I said, you know, what was it like to be a witness to me and my development? Because I know I certainly wasn't a sit and relax type of you know, infant and toddler, like, what was that like, the experience? And he said, well, I knew what you were, and I knew you needed some room to grow. So it was basically me facilitating open space and almost like redirect instruction just for me to have that creative room. And my mom, of course, supported it. And it was just a, a really nice environment to be free enough to let it all go and to have the guides there um, especially my mom, when my father was playing baseball, or my grandma and my grandpa, they did a fantastic job of keeping etiquette in place while letting me be Tarzan's son. <laughs> so, wow, which is yeah. which is interesting. So now, I mean, I know we, we talked about a couple of sports you were involved in early, but you said the freedom. Did that mean like? Like how did how did that freedom get expressed, right? Because yeah. today we see kids in like travel ball at a young age, and they're targeted. But I don't feel like that was exactly your path. Not at all. The freedom that I'm explaining was first the freedom of consciousness that my mom had shared with me from an early age. Uh, she had instilled the understanding in me that the body, mind, spirit is one, and that we're only separating it for the understanding so that we can clearly differentiate, compartmentalize, and then bring it back together. So from an early age, this instruction began almost like esoteric type and tying into the philosophies of meditation and breathing exercises. My mother was um, at one point the Tannahempstead superintendent of alcohol and substance abuse. So what she did is she put the programs into, I think, 126 schools for um, almost like identifying at-risk children uh, for different types of abuse and just different levels of education so that children would be able to self-advocate and advocate for one another um, in moments that they might not typically be taught how to. So it was a very special upbringing to have... Uh, Joan is my mom, and the way that she taught me that freedom, Richard, was through consciousness, and it went to my spirit, and that combined with the freedom to express my physical body through exercise, through martial arts applications, through athletics, it started to bring together a balance, and that's essentially what I feel like could be the second part of the building block with the first being genetic material. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it helps to have a dad is, you know, long flowy hair and a former major leaguer. 
Of course, sure. he also had to sur survive living in Toronto. So, I mean, I'm sure he's got war stories from that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if I should throw it out there. Should I <laughs> yep, I'm going to throw it out okay. there. So, <laughs> this is a never, never seen before footage. <laughs> it's just, it's just got to be done. So I used to ask him, I'd say, hey, Pop, what was it like pitching uh, Toronto? Because it must have been cold up there, man, you know? And he was like, you got no idea. And I'm like, well, I want, I want an idea. Tell me what it was like. He's like, all right, imagine this. Imagine your home is Toronto, where you play your home games, and there's snow on the field. Imagine the other team you're playing is the New York Yankees. I'm like, all right, sounds pretty good. He's like, does it? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, okay. Keep listening. I'm like, okay. So he's like, when we come out of the dugout, we're in uniform. There's snow on the field. I'm like, are you cold? He's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, where are your jackets? He's like, hold on. As soon as the Yankees come out of the dugout, they all got parkas on. And I'm like, what's a parka? He's like, it's a big jacket. I'm like, well, how come they got to wear jackets? He said, our manager said, you guys are tough. You don't need jackets. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, were you really that tough? He's like, no, it was freezing. <laughs> so I'm like, before, before they built the dome, right? Right. So I'm <laughs> like, well, how'd you stay warm? And I'm like, Really, how did you stay warm? He's like, you'll never guess. So I think I guessed maybe like 50 or 60 times, and I just gave up, and I actually forgot about it. So like a couple of years would go by, and then all of a sudden I just remembered randomly this conversation like that, Toronto, how'd you stay warm? He's like, you really want to know? I'm like, yeah. He's like, pantyhose. <laughs> <laughs> so they were all wearing pantyhose up in Toronto and they didn't tell anybody and now it's out of the bag. <laughs> I mean I mean that seems like a whole business idea, you know, ex extra large pantyhose. <laughs> I'm telling you. Keep it keep it cold in the Arctic North. I mean, before I heard it, I'm like, wow, but hey, it was effective and they did all right. It didn't win games, but they stayed warm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's the little survival strategies we learned from right. I always right. say that, you know, my father took me to New York Giants football games in the freezing cold. You know, you sit next to 10 random drunk strangers. They become your insulation bunker mates. <laughs> you <laughs> don't care how annoying they are. You're, you're in solidarity in, in fending off the wind. So That's right. That's right. Things Togetherness through cultural climate. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, I mean, now you continued on. Our high school, we had our we had our struggles, we had our disappointments uh, when I was there, um, and you continued on with it. I mean, it became passion plus performance, right? At what point did you realize, like, hey, this can be something that takes me to the next level? Hmm. That's a really good question. I, I think um, maybe the first thing was dunking a basketball uh, early and, and having success with athletic things that uh, – people were striving for and they just came easier for me. So I, I just started to learn that if this comes easy, then maybe I should put a whole lot of hard work and consistent effort together, take care of myself and start listening to the people mentoring me and something can happen. Um, so that's kind of what I did. Uh, I had a really long list of mentors starting with um, a guy. I mean, we'll go right back to Tom Ahern from, CYO seventh grade and he taught me a very valuable lesson. He taught me how to lose. 
because uh, I'm very, I used to be very upset when I would lose and I would be become very emotional and not be able to cope effectively in these moments and become physically aggressive and damage objects. You know, it was just this kind of thing. <laughs> funny now, wasn't funny then. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I just have vivid memories. A little bit of Bobby <laughs> Knight. A little bit of Bobby Knight. I know, I had it too. I, I, like losing was like, you know, I have a little bit of like completely shattered. Right. And it comes from a strong desire to to really do well. But if not, if we don't learn how to process that at an early age. That's right. So yeah. Tom uh, came up to me after a game and he said, now, David, I, I just want to share this with you. And I know you're probably not listening to me at this point. I was like, you know, basically hyperventilating. And he's like, listen, you lost today, but you're going to win. You're not always going to lose games. But I'm looking at him and I'm like, well, why are you telling me this? It's because the nature of competition at the end, there's always going to be somebody who wins and there's always going to be somebody who loses. It's why you compete. And if you, in fact, end up on the losing end, and this is an individual sport, you look at your own individual performance and then you improve it. This is a team sport. You're responsible for yourself. So he says the following words to me that blew my mind. The best thing you can do for me is work on yourself. When he said that to me, it just blew me. The best thing you can do for me is work on yourself. I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah, exactly. Control your emotions. And he used the word my mom used, transmute. And as soon as he said transmute, I knew right away. He said, okay, I have to convert the energy. I get it. Um, so my mentors along the way, giving me these tools, helped me to understand that, all right, so if I transmute this energy, that means that this, this general surge, right, that's coming through, I can harness it. So I had success through high school. That was fun. I won the slam dunk contest uh, my senior year, which was really fun. Um, I did some like 360s and windmills and all kinds of stuff and brought the house down and walked out with the big trophy and it was a there great experience. And um, <clears throat> college was a great time. Uh, I loved the journey. Uh, Bruce Webster gave me a scholarship to go to the University of Bridgeport and he remembered my dad playing college basketball because he was coaching at Bridgeport against Hartwood College when my dad was a rebounder, just a player. Like that's how long he'd been in the game. And he remembered my dad, and he was like, you got to be cut from similar cloth, so pump. And when I went to the University of Richport, Richard, that's when the 4 a.m. wake-up began. Every day, 4 a.m. wake-up for the early run. And, and let, me, let me just share with our listeners real quick, if you look at any of Dave's, any of Dave's social media, when you go to Super Dave Tube, you're going to see he's there at the beach at sunrise. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. Like the- <laughs> And so started go ahead, at 4 a.m. He, uh, he basically said this. I'm giving you guys a scholarship to come to the University of Bridgeport and study. And you're going to earn a degree in two things. Life from me and academics from this institution. The three rules I'm going to teach you all start with this 4 a.m. wake up. The one thing is you're all going to wake up early every day. You're never going to be late to anything in your life. It's consistent. The second thing it's going to teach you to be responsible and it's going to teach you to be accountable. The third thing is, is you're all going to be mentors because of it. 
because when the rest of the people are waking up late and making excuses, you're all going to be consistent. And in keeping in touch with my teammates, and it's like a big fraternity, all Purple Knights that went to the University of Bridgeport, and we all, who were coached by Webb, it was like 33 years of us, all of us are mentors, and we're all leaders in our fields and helping and really good people and sticking to the program. And I'm just really grateful that he invested his time in me. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, so have you kept to this day? Is that an everyday commitment that you got to wake up before you? It is every day without alarm clock since 1997. And I woke up late one day and he gave me the talk. <laughs> and it was simple. He goes, David, you know this opportunity you have here. So what I want you to do is embrace it. You know the dorm is going to lose power, so put a 9-volt battery in that alarm clock. Excuses are lies. And I'm like, excuses are lies. Mind blow. Okay, got it, coach. And that was it. So I've been doing it religiously. I live here in Long Beach. So as soon as I wake up, we're right here, right on the beach, right to the wellness routine. And it's, it's rather elaborate at this point because it has to become more, I guess, fruitful and incremental over time. And um, I guess my penchant for athletics and fitness early has transcended itself into lifetime fitness wellness applications now. And I seem to be in the right setting. And what that I helps found, a lot. That, that really it does help having the right environment to facilitate. I agree. And how do, how do you think, um, like in terms of being in a place like uh, like the beach or like um, a mountain retreat where you have all the elements at your disposal, I mean, how, how profound do you find that being in, in terms of a therapeutic environment? You know, I'm trying to think which book I was just reading, whether it was uh, Ryan Holiday's Stillness is the Key, who was talking about like Winston Churchill. You know, we think that like he was at like at his desk or at like the war front. You know, I think he spent like a year before he came into World War II, like walking in his garden. Like, have you read this man's routine? Like, <laughs> it, it involved a lot of like, you know, simple, still routines. A little different than yours. I think he slept in and took a nap. Uh, <laughs> you know, but he, but he, but he wouldn't go and address his wife until 10 a.m. He had wow. certain things that he did in the morning where it was all about writing. Writing was really his key. R writing and walking. Um, nice. So. I think, you know, right, there's something about gratitude, connecting to the beach, connecting to the mountains, something that helps you see the horizon and get beyond our narrow, even just physical, like our vision, right? right. So there's a tie-in between what we physically can see and spiritually, like being able to see beyond and, and be in gratitude for what's bigger than us. Yes. That helps, right, helps make all the, even Tony Robbins says, right, when he gets up, he's in tremendous gratitude, even looks at his problems for the day and goes, I'm thankful for them. Like, I know what they are. Right. I mean, I have the answers, but I, I can identify them and they have their place, right? Uh, and, and, but nature and life and the flow of my life is much bigger as opposed to when we're only in the four walls, <laughs> right? Things start to get smaller. I really do. So, so that's, that's tremendous that, that you get right out there, right on the sand, even touching, right? The sensation, the power of feeling texture like the sand and water. So grounding, um, the first thing I'll do as soon as I wake out of bed is I smile. 
because as soon as I see the sun rise coming up, it just makes me so happy, man. It's just the one, you know, boom, here we are another day. Yes. And, um, at that point it's prayer and meditation before anything gets done. So that gratitude you spoke of is the same gratitude I start my day with and live with. It's very important to stay in that space, to create it and live there. That way it can simply by multiplicity alone continue to grow and exponentially be shared with everyone and everything. So what but do yeah. you tell those you come in, I mean, you know, in, in, in touch with when they're like, oh, I don't have a morning routine or how long do I need? Yeah. Um, so they, how do you feel? Like, uh, how do you think and how do you feel? And um, if the, the mind isn't clear uh, and, and the body is not quite up to par for the person's, you know, uh, expectation, uh, I feel like the first step is to allow somebody the opportunity to understand, like Wayne Dyer said once, is that you are not what you notice, but you are the noticer of what you notice. So just to understand that we're a witness to experience and that we are not actually the experience, just having an experience. So just having a thought process, maybe just changing perspective, considering it at least, and then um, the second thing would immediately be pranayama, just the breath work. Um, and sometimes just keeping it as simple as breathing and counting. Inhale and count to four. Exhale and count to four. When I learn that it's impossible for me to actually think about anything while I'm breathing and counting, and that it locked me into a state, it allowed me to reach a very peaceful place. And then when I share, like you asked, what would you do if, you know, somebody had inquired, I would just say, how do you think and feel and go with those two things? What do you think? I think that's perfect. But of course, we're beginning with the end, right? Because in the middle, there was, there was a bump, there was a challenge, from what I understand, right? There was uh, um, an accident or a recovery and, and painkillers, right? Which a lot of athletes are dealing with, right? So if you don't mind, because, because sometimes we don't get to what we need for our mind and our body until we have some sort of disorder or injury or um, depressed, right? Mental or physical, right? Absolutely. So, where was that that moment for you, or was it accumulation of years, or was it just one? Was it uh, a car accident? Remind me. Great question. So there was yeah. a it was an event. We'll call it a life event that happened in uh, 2015. And what happened is I was in an automobile accident that uh, shifted the course of my physical life because uh, I had been injured, and uh, you know it required extensive surgeries and what would be instrumentation to put me back together to get me to be a, what would be, and what you now see as a functional human being once again. Uh, during that process, uh, I was given opiate medication that started with Vicodin and moved towards Oxycontin and then moved into Dilaudid. Once it moved to Dilaudid, I developed a serious addiction. And it was very difficult to cope with because I had not yet been fully through the surgical protocol and I knew I had to go through more and it would just be more times. So it's a challenge. I had to accept the moment and it was beyond my understanding, but I just did what I could, breathed and count, journaled a little bit. Couldn't really move too much because my body was shattered, but I did what I could. Um, 
<clears throat> what happened is after the surgery, two months had gone by, and then uh, one of my good friends. The so we're talking like fusion, <clears throat> right? Lumbar yeah. fusion. Yeah, absolutely. I had um, three levels shattered that had to be rebuilt with Harrington rods and like the bunch of spacers and screws and parts they used to hold everything together. Two months after that, <clears throat> pardon, I had a friend of mine from childhood and like just a, just an awesome soul pass on and it was opiate addiction. It was a suicide. And I took 10 days to really contemplate what my next approach was. Cause I was in a lot of pain. I was only two months post. I was, one month out of bed because for the first month I just laid in bed. And on my grandpa's birthday, April 13th, I literally asked for his guidance and he told me today was the day. Everything stops. And, you know, there's options for your rehabilitation and detoxification that you can choose, but today's your day. So I just decided that on April 13th, 2016, that that was it. And that was all. And it hasn't been anything and it never will again. Wow, he told you that physically, or he told you that like in prayer and connection, like in inside prayer, however we want to interpret it. Just, I got the direct message, and at that point, <clears throat> I started that detoxification process, which was a rather lengthy process. It was uh, three and a half to four months, <clears throat> pardon me, of, of like very intense detox. And um, what happened is, I met. <laughs> my inner truth and I met some things that I wasn't aware of and I realized the absolute necessity of a higher power and I appreciated every lesson that everyone ever taught me because when I was going through these moments all the things would come back even us playing basketball going into practice working so hard against each other you got people pulling us away that, <laughs> like and I'm looking back why am I thinking about this right now? And it was just, it's because like the competitive camaraderie and that brotherhood and that willingness to compete, to make each other better. That is the fraternity that pulls us all as one. And that's like the motivation for me to just inspire myself to get beyond obstacles. It's just like those moments. Somebody might see it like, man, these guys are too aggressive. Look at these guys. But I'm like, wow, those guys have passion. Those guys care a lot. If we could just transmute that a little bit. <laughs> That's right. Well, you said, right? You said, right? Your, your quote, the way I see it, when you prove yourself, everyone sees what you saw about yourself the whole time, right? And when, you're, when it's that important to you to prove yourself, to fight for your spot, right? To fight for, right, your team. Yeah, it, 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 it's what what bonds teams together, right? Unity, right? Comes from that kind of total certainty and connection. So sports to me growing up, it's like, it is spirituality. It was the experience of it. Right. Uh, and it is that fraternity, but, but we're also talking about, right? Something that a lot of athletes go through that has been kind of stigmatized, right? You're going through a surgery. Doctors tell you to take the pain meds. It's kind of like, and they tell you to stay on them, right? That's kind of was the protocol. Yes. Um, as long as you're having these surgeries, uh, then they're going to keep prescribing. So, yes. um, do you find other, other, other athletes or other pe uh, people have been through injuries come to you and go, Hey, I don't even know how to get my head clear. 
Yes. And um, <clears throat> it's always that way. It's, it's, I know you went through it because you were public about it. And I have been, you know, I'm a recovering uh, opiate addict and um, that's seven years. And my path is not the same as anybody else's, but I'm willing to share my experience and hope that'll help with you. Uh, and it happens a lot just because I've been willing to come forward and I'm always willing to help. Uh, I don't pretend to be, you know, a therapist or a rehabilitation specialist by any means. It's just, I'm, I'm an open-hearted person who is willing to share experience. And when I share it with someone who's an athlete, it's great because it's like a direct personal thing that I can connect. When I share it with someone who's not, it's a direct personal thing because we're still, you know, one. So whether it's an athlete or a, a typical person or somebody who's just like lifetime fitness, wellness, like ultra marathoner type, there's got to be a better option than that um, because it pulls us in to a spiral that's the opposite of what we're trying to achieve, which is wellness. Um, so I'm just really grateful once again, just to help anybody. Because I've been spared. I feel like my life's been spared. So for me to help anybody, for me to even speak with you and, and, and share this space, like it's beyond my articulation <laughs> to show this gratitude. Thank you, Dave. It's, I feel the same. It's a gift. And uh, it's amazing what the universe sends us back into each other's lives. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, you know, it's it's you know, I think I'm learning to play basketball with less of that, you know. <laughs> less of less of the battle and more of the harmonious flow, but we'll see. <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, it was funny, I'm gonna share something. You'll appreciate it. So when I used to talk to Bruce Webster, my coach at UB, I used to sit in his office and it was like coffee talk. I would just pick his brain on everything because he just he had so much knowledge and, you know, he just coached so many guys and just wanted to know stuff. So he's like, you know what I want to tell you? I'm like, what? And this was great because sometimes he just wouldn't talk. So you were just like waiting, you know, and here it came. And I'm like, what's up? He's like, look at this wall. It's like 32 years of guys. See this? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, there's one main reason why you're sitting in here right now. I go, right, because he hooked me up with the scholarship. He's like, no, but there's a reason for that. And he points to this one guy. And this man's name is um, Winston Jones. He was like a very good basketball player in the early 90s, Queens guy. This guy and you have something in common. And I'm like, well, yeah, we both played for you. He's like, no, you both are the only two guys in 32 years that I had absolutely no idea what you were going to do at any given time whatsoever. And I had to get you because I didn't want to play against you. <laughs> That's an interesting variable. So it's like, was that was that refreshing? <laughs> you know, I was like, okay. So my, my job there was just to rebound the basketball. So in, for two years in the New England Collegiate Conference, I led the conference in rebounding. Like that was just my primary function. If I shot a three pointer and made it, I was subbed out. I'm like, coach, what happened? Fifteen feet in, you're out. <laughs> That's harsh. <laughs> <laughs> but strict, strict rules. And, uh, you know, it was really nice to be a part of something that was strict and fun. He had a dynamic of uh, being a disciplinarian, but being a comedian. Right. So just having that, I guess you'd say that, that dichotomy, being able to see both sides and, and balancing those sides, it, it taught us how to be competitive, fun young men. 
Yeah, and what a what a gift, right? To show that balance, right? <clears throat> you, you know, uh that and that was a fear of mine growing up. Like if I go all in on this basketball, do I have to disconnect from friends? Do I have to give up on enjoying life? And and I don't think I had the models for that. Like I had the the martyrs that were all in or this idea that you had to like, you know, but at some point there's choices that be made. But the fact that you can have fun while doing it, there is fun within it. There is fun. You can, you can laugh. You can, I mean, because, you know, you know that that number one, your teammates have your back. Right. And, and if you enjoy it, if you know this from your breathing, right, when you engage the parasympathetic nervous system, then you can dive back into battle more because you've had play. Can you imagine if we did, like, breathing work in the locker room before we went out and played those big <laughs> games? That would have made a tremendous difference, man. I wish. I wish. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, there's things lacking, and I know, you know, everyone has a story about their their high school coaches, but I often compare uh, some of the teams I played in that were more like um, regional competitions, and we had a team, and the guy didn't really know how to coach. He was more of like a social guy and he had the assistant that was the basketball guy. But we, we knew who the, you know, we knew coach Tommy had the, you know, he had the stuff and, yes. uh, you know, and, and our mutual acquaintance and teammate Jason Stein will tell you. And yet the teammates <laughs> one through 10, one through 11, whether you started or sat the bench, nobody cared because we were like brothers. Right. You know, you're afraid you, and you'd be cheering for the other guy because that was the kind of lightness and culture and off the court connection yeah Uh, it was a a brotherhood man yeah and that like this brings me up to what i wanted to tell you it's my most important thing i'm going to share with you today being a witness to my friend's success is like the greatest thing that i can ever witness in my life so like you for example being a witness to your success and the outstanding work you're doing in the field of mental health on the West Coast and broadcasting it throughout the world. Like I, I know who you are for many decades and to see you develop as an outstanding professional and, and share it the way you do. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal experience, man. And it, it makes me really happy to see it. So I just want you to know that. Thank you, brother. I'm so humbled. Uh, I hope it's not too many decades. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. we are getting a little gray in the beard here we are but but thank you yeah it means so much and and oftentimes i have to sit and reflect and go and even my son will go wow like you know the, some special people right we know some people have done some amazing things um especially for me this show my life about the transformation right i had no idea that you were learning meditation right i just experienced like you said the hyper and the active right yeah, right the, the, the conflict the storm right <laughs> the inner storm right. Right? And, and 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 you kind of don't as as children you don't always know how to relate to the different energies and so to see when you hear the journey um not that we want to see our friends suffer but when you see the way resilience has been you know fostered in your life and how you've taken being an athlete into being a father into practices that are about healing the body 
It's yes. really hard. It's really hard to break. You know, I learned from my father. He loved going to the doctor. He loved it for everything because he got attention externally. And uh, and a lot of the times, right, we see this, the, the Western approach is, you know, get another pill, get another prescription. Right. And from young age, right, I'm seeing a lot of kids come in, the parents saying, I got a hyperactive. And it's not that the diagnosis isn't real. But we right. need to really focus in more what's happening in the family, what's happening in the trauma, right. what's happening in the, the generational system, and how are we clearing the head? What practices do we have individually? We can't give it to our kids if we don't have it ourselves. So I think Absolutely. what you're saying, particularly for men um, who oftentimes go into the gender roles of, well, I got to work, this is my job, or, you know, I get into these roles, and it's all positive except if you're not caring for yourself we we give to others what they see us do not what we say right, right? so important to have that uh and it goes back to the thing that tommy heron told me the most important thing you can do for me is work on yourself and then there's the most important thing i can do for me is work on myself it's always the work on ourselves that self-work always manifests itself in abundance because this is our job to bring ourself balance so that that balance can manifest us into purpose so that now we're the best version of ourselves. <clears throat> pardon so therefore we can go do and that do is as true as it can be you know for the moment um, and i think the <clears throat> reflection and certainly the gratitude with the breathing and the wellness and it leads into the study of kung fu and qigong that i've taken up and i've given up a lot of the more aggressive <clears throat> modalities of martial arts simply because it doesn't fit uh the serenity that i've achieved did so you that, find a teacher for that what drew you and how did you continue to learn on that path? thank you so much for asking uh one of my really good friends who moved down to florida corey corey schweitzer introduced me to it when we were working uh, as teachers at uh, bosi's teaching special ed he would always say you have to come to kung fu you're gonna love kung fu and i'm like kung fu's not real stop it's only in the movies right and we were like joking around and i know it's real but anyway so one day after about a year <laughs> and a half i went and i met wilfredo lopez as part of integrative Wing Chun. And as soon as I met Sifu Lopez, I knew that this was going to be a match. He's a very even-keeled, humble man, and the study was a perfect fit. So I blended right into that, and now we are 11 years later. Uh, it's been a really nice journey. I share it with my daughter. I share it with my nephews. We're on the beach doing Kung Fu Chi Sao. Um, and they actually, they I got them started when they were about three, Richard. So those those kids are working pretty good with the breath work and the sensitivity because that was the key. Um, antecedents. We always look at the thing that happens before the event. Like we were just talking about, we look at athletes who go through trauma experiences and things happen after, but you know, what was the trauma, right? Like what was the antecedent? If we can look at the antecedent, then we can be more proactive in our approach and setting up function as opposed to dysfunction. So it kind of all, it all comes from what you said, the reflection, taking mm. a step back and being able to look at it through a scope and sequence that's outside your typical. 
right? So if an athlete comes to work with you and you're trying to help them with wellness planning, yeah, you're going to walk them through some martial arts movements, some breathing, anything that creates stillness and calmness. Yeah, the warm-up will always be Qigong to establish two things, uh, the breath work with the smooth movement grounds the energy, aligns the energy. And at that point, after about five or 10 minutes, we'll get in some light movement and then exercise after, but it's just getting that grounding moment, tying the breath to the body and just disengaging the thought process to just be a witness to the moment. Uh, again, just understanding that we are not what we notice. We are the noticers uh, and the doers. So, uh, you know, I haven't trained people since the accident. I teach, as you know, it's my 17th year. So in teaching physical education, I'm training people every day. So the work I do mostly is the inner work. Kids will ask me how I became peaceful. It's what I get. Wow, what a great question. Yeah, because, you know, and, and staff will ask often, like, how do you maintain it? how like i work in bedford stuyvesant brooklyn it's a rather live area and this thing's happening and there's trauma going on the face that you see now is the same face that they see there it's not going to change right because i know that i'm just noticing i know that i have control over my emotions and if i can motivate myself i can inspire others so it's kind of i know where i fall in line and I'm really just grateful to have a place at the table and just have been spared enough to share experience and hope that I can pull somebody out of a tough spot. Well, it's, it's amazing that you say that, right? Like, I just got visualization about, like, you know, third period gym class with Mr. C. Yes. Come, you know, like, <laughs> I, you know, you, you got, I got to learn so much about my confidence and, and having that place where you could be expressed and be manifest in your body and, and feel good. And I think like that's so important, right? For kids, like you said, they're coming from tough area, tough neighborhood, and they think they need that wall. Yes. To, to, that's, that's the survival mechanism. We think we need it, right? To adapt to the environment. That's right. Why do you think we think that? Like, why do you think we need that wall? Why do we do that? Either personally or collectively, we've been hurt, wounded, or we're scared, we're vulnerable. We feel we will not be protected or we don't know how to protect ourselves. And we think protection means, uh, yeah, physical, right? That, that we, or our physical safety might. So there's a vulnerability there, I think. Um, yeah. Or a disconnection, right? Disconnection from self, because a lot of Kung Fu and martial arts is, if I could truly be present, I would be aware enough to maybe avoid or not engage, uh, right. right? Yeah, there was a proverb that uh, Wilfredo taught me. He said, uh, you know, when the force comes, you retreat. And when the force goes, you follow. When the force disconnects, that's when you make your decision. My decision's always been no, let go. So when my students say, how do you obtain peace? I said, it's like me and you go into the grocery store and you need potatoes. And your neighbor said, you know, since you're getting potatoes, why don't you grab me a bag too? So now you got two sacks of potatoes, but then my car doesn't start. Now we got to walk. It's a mile and a half away. So I tell you, I'm going to carry one bag and you're going to carry one bag. But after we get the potatoes, I'm like, you're probably better off carrying two. 
because it's good exercise, like a farmer's walk. What do you think? Can you do it? Yeah, I'll do it. Well, after about a block or two, those potatoes, they get happy. And after a half a mile, that 10-pound bag feels like about 50 pounds or maybe more. And you're looking at me like, are you going to take them? And I'm like, no, these are your potatoes. All of a sudden, the trip's done. Unbelievable exercise event, like almost like a testament, right? But the point of the whole story is the trauma that we hold on is like the potatoes. A lot of us will hold these potatoes our whole lives. And it's just pulling us down and it's taking us out of alignment. But if we just understand that we can let go, then we can stand up again. We can align ourselves again, use the tools that we know are available to us in terms of therapeutic support, independent wellness modalities, each other, earth. <laughs> we can do these things. I see a sequel. There was uh, everything you want to know you learned in kindergarten. Now I think it's uh, everything you need to know. <laughs> you learned in gym class. <laughs> let's go go on there's let's go (laughs) that's incredible right i mean because when you play when you you are learning about yourself in relation to others uh you're learning how to move through space and use your body uh to feel more grounded connected and successful so um i'm so grateful you're out there with the children of brooklyn as the son of a teacher who started in harlem new york Wow, that's epic. So our, our DNA is uh, is linked. Yes, it is, sir. <laughs> For all time. So and you leave the, the beach and then drive into Brooklyn every day? So I go in the morning and then I, I take the train in. And um, I'm so grateful for the train. Uh, it's it's a chauffeured ride every day. I, I'm so grateful I get to watch this, this beautiful view every day. I meet nice people every day. It's just I can't, I, I can't say enough about enjoying, you know, um, <laughs> it's just a happy thing for me. Go ahead. You have um, kinesthetic awareness and spacing you mentioned like a minute ago. And I was thinking about this, like one of the things we learned, especially as basketball players, think about what it was like in the huddle when we were playing against Salonica with Zendon Hamilton on the court, <laughs> six foot 11, all American going to St. John's lefty who was dominating everybody. And, Everything's all intense. And when you're looking at your coach in that moment, like we're looking for this focus, right? (laughs) For this like message to instill in us that, okay, we have a plan. We're going to execute this plan. There's five of you here right now. You all have a job. Let's do this job. Let's do this thing, right? And when you have this leadership, it makes the difference. And you know we had the camaraderie. So that behind us also makes the difference. So basically what I'm saying is that being a part of a team, it's a lifetime thing. And when you have that experience once, it transcends itself, stretches itself out for the rest of life. We'll be teammates forever. It's always going to be. Hey, man, I'm going to be coming and hitting you up after this for some of the some of the Wing Chun, get the Kung Fu going again. So if you're open to it. hundred percent. Love I it. hope the I hope the relationship continues, and uh, you know, probably we'll we'll invite you back and do. I'm serious. Whatever way we can collaborate and keep the paths intertwined, I would love to, man. It's really just an exceptional honor to talk shop with you and hang out. And once again, nothing makes me more happy than being a witness to your success. Thank you, yours as well. Uh, in closing, would you please share with my listeners any way they can follow you, 
stay connected or, or learn about your journey if it might help support theirs. Thank you. Uh, you guys can check me out on Instagram, uh, Super Dave Tube. I am just willing to help. It's straight up. I used to operate a business called Basketball Strength and Keg Conditioning, where I wrote books and trained athletes and stuff. And that was like a previous life. So now what I'm doing is a service to humanity. So if you happen to be a person who just needs a little help, needs a little inspiration, Super Dave Tube, happy to help you. Wow. Yes, and be careful because now all the kids are going to want to roll in your school in the bed sty. Slam dunks, keep them quiet. <laughs> <laughs> just getting up there pretty good. If you, if you guys are quiet, I'll show you a dunk. <laughs> yeah, it's like every once in a while. Because kids always come in. We have, you know, uh, one of the city's top girls programs and the guys programs is like top 10. Very good basketball players. And um, I train a lot of them in school pretty high level stuff when it happens when we have those moments and slam dunks will happen and they have uh, so at this point that, that may just be your most profound quote <laughs> my elbows are still over the rim so i'm still okay at 45 it's not bad <laughs> hey keep those gifts going man <laughs> you found new ways to to transmute them right credit really to your mom and you know what? When when you um and here's a Ian August is one of my good friends and he taught me a quote that was awesome. I was like, hey man, give me a meditation quote that's really quick that I can help people with. He's like, all right, get light, get right. I will leave it on that. Without further ado, Dave Lemansic, the honor is all ours. Thank you so much. Pleasure's all mine, brother. To be continued. To be continued. A joy and a privilege, Dave Lemansic, um, Super Dave Tube on opioid addiction recovery, wellness planning, and coping skills. A friend, a true warrior in the path of wisdom and keeping things light and fun and taking care of children and their mental health and their physical health. And it's a true honor and privilege to be connected to such amazing individuals from all paths of my life. So who will be next? Reach out to me, please. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you haven't already, pick up a copy. Richard Olberger, The Zero Method, Awaken the Hero Within. Take care, everyone. Till next time, I'm out. <laughs>